to love God for any other reason other than who He is is selfish. And to the degree that you love God is the degree that you love people and vice versa. And I'm not talking about the nice people. I'm talking about the people that are your enemies. So the degree that you love your enemy is the degree that you love God. Because God loves them as much as anybody he's ever loved. L listen to this. God loves the heathen as much as he loves Jesus. That's beyond my comprehension. But it's so important that we, that we learn how to walk in love. And this, uh, this, this lesson, I was surprised when the Lord gave it to me. It's, it's almost like a postscript of the, of the big series on Ephesians that we did because this is, this is from, this is, this is to the church at Ephesus. And I want you to look at some characteristics here that the church, now, now Ephesus, the church there was what we would call a mega church today. We would, it was, some people say it was 50,000 people. I, I don't know. I do know that John the Revelator, which was the apostle of love, wrote the book of Revelation and he retired at Ephesus. In fact, he took care of Jesus' uh, mother, earthly mother, uh, until she went on to heaven. But uh, so that get, that kind of shows you that uh, John, you know, first, second, and third John all were written by him with the perspective of love. And you know, for a man to live 80, 90, or a hundred years and start out with Jesus when he was about 16 years old, for him to sum his whole ministry up in three little short letters like that, and it's all about love, it shows you how important it is. So let's look here at uh, Revelation chapter 2 verses, we'll, we'll go through verse 7. Unto the angel of the church of Ephesus, I write in the word angel there as messenger, he's talking about the pastor. These things saith he that holdeth the seven stars in his right hand, who walketh in the midst of the seven golden candlesticks. I know thy works and thy labor and thy patience and how thou canst not bear them which are evil. And thou hast tried them which say they are apostles and are not. And has found them liars, and has borne, and has patience, and for my name's sake has labored, and has not fainted. Nevertheless, I have somewhat against thee, because thou hast left thy first love. Now, I want you to look at verses 2 and 3, and look at the accomplishments of that church. I mean, you'd call in, all, by all rights, you'd say, that church is very successful. But, I, and, you know, all if we if we had that kind of... Uh, uh, impact here in this community that the church of Ephesus, Ephesus was having, everybody would just laud us. I mean, they would they would just raise us up and say, "My God, what a church!" And, and and that and that's how people felt. But notice what Jesus says to them, and this is something that it's not just to us, but it's at the church at large, for the church at large. But he says, uh, "You have left your first love," and. He said, remember therefore from whence thou art fallen and repent and do the first works or else I will come unto thee quickly and remove thy candlestick out of his place except thou repent. But this thou hast that thou hatest the deeds of the Nicolaitans which, I, which is the hatred of the people. I also hate. And he that hath an ear let him hear what the Spirit says of the churches. To him that overcomes will I give 
to eat of the tree of life, which is in the midst of the paradise of God. Now, what happened to the church of Ephesus? I've got, I wanted to give those notes to you because I didn't really want you sitting there trying to write down stuff I was saying. And you could take this home. You can actually put it with your other Ephesus or Ephesian uh, lessons. But notice that in verse 2 there as, as in your notes. He, he tells them that he approves of their work, their labor, their, their endurance, and that they don't tolerate evil. I think there's churches out today that we can say that about, don't you? He tells him, he said, I have this against you. You have left your first love. And, and what does that mean? You've left, it means to let go. Uh, uh, let go from an obligation towards oneself. To let go from one's power. To let something escape. You've, let, you've turned loose of your first love. He said you've fallen, repent and do the first works again. Now, in 1970. Three, when I moved to Florida, right out of, freshly out of high school, and uh, moved in with my grandmother, grandfather, and they, uh, grandma went to church. Grandpa didn't. He was heathen till he was 92. But she went to the Church of God and talked me into going with her. And I here I was a backslidden Baptist boy preacher, and uh, so I said, okay. Well, I noticed at that time they had something I'd never seen before, so I got in there, but. Uh, they told me after I joined the church and all that that I needed to be baptized again. I'd already been baptized twice. I got saved down to Fort Lauderdale when I was 11, and they baptized me there in that Baptist church. Then when we moved to Tennessee in 66, uh, uh, well, they, they had old-fashioned river baptizings, and so I wanted to be baptized in the river, bless God. <laughs> So I was baptized then. Well, the church of God told me that I need to be baptized again. And they pointed me to this scripture. Go and do your first works over again. Well, that ain't nowhere near what that means. But anyway, they used that as a proof scripture to do that. He said, you've left your first love. Go. He said, repent. It's metanoia, actually. Change your mind. He says, remember from which thou hast fallen. That means to go back to the place when, when things started happening in your life that wasn't conducive to your spiritual growth. When, when exactly did this start? He says, you go back there and you change your mind. He says, you've left your first love. Now, it's not hard to understand what that means. You remember when you first got saved, you got you introduced to Jesus and it was wonderful and you just thought about him all the time, just like it is when you have a pretty girlfriend and marry him, you know, you think about him all the time. It's, it's sort of like that song, you know, when a man loves a woman, he can't keep his mind on nothing else. Uh, that's got men in a lot of trouble. But that's the way it is when you come into the kingdom of God, firstly. You just, you're, you, I mean, this love, this love that you feel from him, it's just beyond anything. But he says, you've left that, you've set that aside. Now, what could have caused that? Why? I mean, in the thriving world, now listen to me. They, the times in which we're living right now, a lot of it mimics how these what happened back then at the church of Ephesus. Timothy was the pastor. If you'll read 1 Timothy, Paul is talking about being attacked from without. That's attacks from outside the world coming in and attacking the you know, persecution. But second, by the time 2 Timothy comes along, Paul's letter is addressing uh, betrayal from within the church. And that's the worst kind. It's sort of like the communists have always said 
that they'll, they'll be able to take over America without firing one shot because they'll do it from within, and you're seeing it take place now. But this time that we're living in is too dangerous for us to forsake the first love we have for God. The first love. We need to repent. We need, I don't care how much lessons you've got. I don't care how much church attendance and tithes and offerings and all the things that you do, that you know that you hate evil and you protest and you do all the things that, that normal Christians are now focused on doing. But what about the love factor? See. Now, I'll guarantee you that Father God and the Lord Jesus are not upset with what's happening in America today. It's not a surprise to them. They've known it for eons of what was going to happen. And so it's not a surprise. Jesus said, he said, there's many things going to come to you. Persecution, affliction. He said, but, but take no fear. Don't be afraid. And here's the reason. Because I have overcome the world. The forces that be right now, the, I said, let me say this, let me get this on record really good here. The idiots that are running our country today, you know, God's not upset about it. We shouldn't be upset about it. We need to trust Him and, and pray and believe what we're praying. And, and hone in on our love walk. See, because all these little things, I mean, I see stuff, and I'll put a little anger face on it, and, and all, all the while, when I'm doing that, the Holy Spirit checks my spirit as soon as I do that. Because we shouldn't have hatred in our hearts. See, You know, Jesus said that they're going to know us by our love, not by our protests, not because we hate evil, not because we've got all good programs going in our church, and we've got a bunch of people coming, and I've got to know us by that way. Because the Amway Convention can do that. But what they're going to know from us is the, is the undying love of God. Amen? Turn with me to 1 Peter 1.22. I, I, I want to go over to that and see. 1 Peter 1 and let's look at verse 22 here. It's not part of your notes, but you can, you can add that. I want you to notice how he puts this. He says, seeing you have purified your souls in obeying the truth through the Spirit unto unfeigned love of the brethren. Unfeigned is a word which means undisguised, sincere. You say, well, what is disguised love like? Well, first of all, it's not really love. But secondly, it's a put-on. You know, being real friendly at church and saying good things about one another. And, say, and then all the while, all the way home, you're running them down. That's kind of disguised. You know, presenting yourself in some way in public and then doing something else. You know, we call that hypocrisy. But he's, that's the way he's saying here that you, that, you, uh, that you, through the Spirit, unto unfeigned love... Of the brethren. Now, as the love of the brethren is one Greek word, and that's phileo. Can anybody tell me, in the course of these two years I've been here, what phileo means? Phileo or phileo? Can somebody just what what is that? Friendship, brotherly love, emotional love. 
Phileo love always has to have a receptor. It, it, it has to have a response. It has to be reciprocated. Phileo love does. It's friendship. You know, a, a marriage can work with just phileo as long as you're always friends. It, it can work. People, those are usually the kind that they have to, you'll hear them say, well, you know, uh, we believe you know, we're in love, but we really have to work, work at it. Th those are the kind that does that. But you see, what, what the, a true, and I'll just use this analogy while I'm into it, that a, that a proper marriage should be an amalgamation of phileo and agape. Because agape is the God kind. Agape doesn't have to have a response. I mean, I don't care whether Teru tells me that she loves me when I tell her. It doesn't bother me if she doesn't say it. She always does. Sometimes when she says it to me, I'm, I'm thinking something else, and I don't, re I don't reply that. Uh, but, you know, uh, agape love is just, it's, 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 like a, it's like an unseen force. It's just always going. It never withdraws. It never pulls back. So if a, if a man and wife can live that way, agape love pushes them through all the stuff when you don't get pleasure. See, which, which phileo has to have pleasurable experience in order for it to work. See, I mean, you've got to be friends. I mean, you can't, you can't really fuss and argue. I did for 25 years with somebody. You can't really fuss and argue all the time and have brotherly love with them. You know, that brings me to something else. Uh, it's very important that we understand the difference between fellowship and relationship. Now, you two right here, you're sisters. You're not twins, are you? No. Just very close, close to. Very close in age. Yeah, Teru and her sister are two. Or is it Regina? You're. I mean, I don't know, like eleven months, fourteen months. But you're not counting. <laughs> but see, you guys are in relationship by birth. See, But there's many times throughout your lives that you've not been in fellowship. See? Yeah, your eyes got big when I said that. So, And that's the same way with us and the Lord. We're in relationship. It takes a lot to break that. In fact, I've never found in the Word of God, once that's broken, it can be restored. But fellowship, you can be in relationship today and fellowship, and tomorrow still be in relationship, but out of fellowship, see. And so that's, that's one of the tactics of the enemies, to keep us out of fellowship with God and out of fellowship with one another, see. That's why it's very dangerous. And I've, I've had this come in my spirit four or five times this week, honey, for you. And I apologize for doing this publicly because I know your little old timid heart. But I want you to make me a promise. Will you, will you, will you make me a promise? You say, oh, it all depends on what it is, ain't it? <laughs> I want you to promise me, honey, that you will always love Jesus the rest of your life. And that goes for the other kids too. But just specifically. Now, honey, God has a, has a tremendous future for you. Not just here, but in heaven and around the universe. That sounds weird, don't it? But he has a tremendous journey ahead for you. And if you'll choose to always love him, ask him. This is what came up. 
this guy, uh, two days ago. He said, ask her to ask me every day to help her love me better. Can you do that? When, you, when you're praying by yourself, you just say, Lord, help me to love you more. Okay? You mind me doing that today? So relationship and fellowship is very, very important. And we understand that. Because if you don't understand that, you'll be like the old Church of God people I was raised with. And you'll think when you sin, you're out of fellowship. Well, you're out of relationship, so you've got to get saved again. Well, that's just not true. That's not true. You don't, you don't, you don't lose salvation like you do car keys. <laughs> you, have to autom- you have to know what you're doing, reject Jesus with all of your heart, and walk a different way. That's how to get out. But like I said, I've never known from Scripture. I've never known how to get people to get back in. But anyway, I wanted to share that with you here. That, uh, but notice this again in, in, in uh, 1 Peter 22 here, uh, 122. He said that you, through the Spirit, do uh, unto unfeigned love of the brethren, see that you love one another with a pure heart, fervently fervently and that word fervently is the greek word ektenos did you know that that's the only time in the entire word of god that that word is used ektenos it means intently it means actually it's got a picture to stretch out the hand Thus it means to be stretched out, earnest, resolute, tense, intense about what you're doing. Stretched out. That's what I see when Jesus went to the garden. And if you'll look at all three accounts in the Gospels and read each one of them, you'll see three different postures. He walks into the garden under this burden of prayer. He walks to a certain place, drops to his knees, stretching out his hands, and then he falls on his face, stretched out as far as he can, interceding for the, for the will of God to be done. For us and, and a lot of other things that took place there. That's the picture that this, this word fervently has in it. So you see, that's the, that is the... How can I put it, Lord? That is the measurement that he expects us to love one another. Literally to give your life up for somebody. That's the love of God. It, yes, it will be inconvenient. You might as well go ahead and put that down in your satchel. This life is going to be inconvenient. Because I'm telling you what, it takes a lot of faith and trust to love some people that way. This make any sense today. So, to love one another with a pure heart, fervently. Now, let's get back to the, to the revelation over here. Look down there in your notes. Colossians 1.18 he says, and he is the head of the body, the church, who is the beginning, the firstborn from the dead, 
that in all things he might have the what? The preeminence. Now what does what does preeminence mean? Anybody want to tell me? That he may have the preeminence. First place. Remember uh, Alexander the coppersmith that the Bible talks about. He wanted, he wanted to have the preeminence. He wanted to be first. He wanted to be put on a pedestal. Well, we are supposed to put Jesus on a pedestal. He, he's actually on a throne. But, but in our mind, in our thinking process, we have to keep Him exalted. If we don't, the natural part of us will exalt ourselves. It's called self-exaltation. When you're putting yourself above. And so that's one of the biggest problems in the church world today. But the word first here, you've left your first love, or to keep him in preeminence, it means, it's protos, which means the foremost in time, place, and order of importance. So he says that you have fallen, that's ekpipto, you have fallen, that means to drop away, that means to fall from a place from which one cannot keep. In old-fashioned terms, it's just backsliding. You have, you have fallen away. It didn't mean they were fallen from grace or fallen for they've lost their salvation or nothing. They've fallen away from loving God. It's very easy for preachers to do this because they get caught up in the business of the church, which I never was guilty of that because I don't know how to do a lot of the business of the church. Brother Curtis is very, very anointed in that area. He is a pastor teacher. I am a teacher pastor. See, I can step in these other offices, but my primary uh, calling is that of a teacher, which you probably know by now. But see, uh, when preachers get caught up in the business, I've never believed that a pastor should have the title of CEO. Because all that is a formula to keep him out of his prior closet. But uh, and, and he's supposed to appoint people Men, you can look in the Word and find all the qualifications for the people uh, that are supposed to be in leadership positions and, and that kind of thing. But uh, he says, you've, you've dropped away from this. The church at Ephesus. It makes me wonder because he said he's going to take away their candlestick, which would mean their church, if they didn't repent. Well, you can't go to church over there today because it doesn't exist. All of the seven churches here in the book of Revelation don't exist anymore. There's no reason for that. There's no reason why they couldn't be 2,000 years old. But our, our enemy has been a professional at, at diverting the church's attention and causing it to get off kilter. And basically, it's not walking in love. If we get out of love, I'm telling you, we are not going to be successful in the kingdom of God. You can be successful in building a church. You can get programs growing. You can get buses coming. You can fill and pack the whole auditorium. But if you've fallen away from love, it's of no value, see. You've, you've only got a good group going. I mean, it would have been nice to have that, but here. It's coming. Just wait and see. So when one comes into this state of being, it's because his thinking has been affected. Our heart which is how we formulate our thought patterns. That's, that's basically your heart. We all are different in how we formulate thoughts and 
how we negotiate our life and all these things. That's that's the heart. That's the center of you. That's how you do. But but our heart is becoming hard when when we when we fall away from the love of God, see, and loving Him. Isaiah fifty five seven. Let the wicked forsake his way, the unrighteous man his thoughts. And let him return unto the Lord, and he will have mercy upon him. And to our God, for he will abundantly pardon. For my thoughts are not your thoughts, neither are your ways my ways, saith the Lord. That's pretty straightforward, isn't it? Well, you say, yeah, but uh, he says they are not. I said, well, that's Old Testament. Did you know that the word of God is the thoughts of God? Think about this. Uh, Brother... uh, uh, Augie David that came here. That man, he, he, he went into, uh, I'm sure you've read his book, but he, he was in such deep depression, he, he wanted to commit suicide, and I mean everything. But he, set, he knelt at his father's couch for six hours a day and read the Bible. Every, he read it through every two weeks for a year. So he was passing the thoughts of God through his mind every two weeks. All of them. And it healed his mind. So you see, this thing I've got about the Word, I mean, it's, it's so important. We have, to, we have to get in the Word. We have to think about it, meditate on it, speak it, read it all the time. And that will cleanse us from, from a lot of the, the mental problems and emotional problems that we have. So learn to keep your thinking in line with God's thinking. So what's he thinking? Read the Bible. See, a lot of flaky, charismatic people, they're always wanting to hear a word from somebody. And I know I went through that. I've, I really paid the price for, for, for being that way. Because I made some major decisions about 35 years ago based on what somebody prophesied to me. Well, this is a word from God. You're supposed to do this. You're supposed to do that. And I believed it. And it wasn't God at all. So, so I'm not saying that somebody can't give you a word from God. I mean, that's a word of knowledge, a word of wisdom. That's a gift of the Spirit. But always test those words. Now, I understand that Brother Curtis and, and, and Sister Paulette are really used in the word of knowledge, word of wisdom a, a lot. But still, and, and I, I really I feel in my heart that that's, they're the right people, so I'm not saying that derogatory. But always check it. Always test those words. Don't, and I've told you before, don't believe a word I say without checking out with the Holy Ghost and the Word of God. See, I mean, we just owe that. I mean, that, that's just integrity to, to, to hold the Word of God instead of somebody's personal word that comes to us. I mean, the Lord gave me that personal word for that young one right there. See, Now, she's going to have to decide if it comes to pass. You say, well, if it's the will of God, no. There's more will of God today not being done than there is being done. This this uh, this bad seductive doctrine where that the will of God's going to be done no matter what anybody said that's just dangerous. That'll get you to stay at the house and watch TV and say, oh well, it's the will of God. We'll just you know that's stupid. So when a person breaks fellowship with the Lord, it's because his thinking is no longer in alignment with God's thinking. Can you understand that? God is saying he wants us first and foremost. That's why worship is so important. Worship is you giving to God. And look at sometimes just look in the word of God in the New Testament and see how many times that the disciples or the apostles fasted and ministered to the Lord. 
That's something a lot of people don't do. Minister to the Lord. You say, well, why would you minister to him? He's got, he, he, he wants to unleash his presence and his gifts on you. And that is the method by which it comes. Worship. Worship him. Praise him. That's why, the, and, and, and I apologize for saying this in a, in a way, because I, I would, you know me, I wouldn't offend anybody on purpose for anything. But that's why that I don't like hymnal singing is because those old concepts that came from people that didn't really know the Word of God, they, had a, they, they loved God, I'm not saying that, but those concepts that they put in those songs, when you sing them over and over, it rehearses that in your heart, and it becomes fixed in those false concepts about God. Now, people that sung from the hymnal and sung old songs, for all their life, what has it done for them? See, it's really not helped them at all. See, and I'm not against all of them. Some of them are really God-inspired. Don't don't get me wrong. But it's very important to find words that are, uh, songs that are word-based, so that you can rehearse those, rehearse that. That's why I like David Engel so much. Everything the man writes is straight out of the Word of God. Like that one we sang the other day. She laid hold on the Word. You remember when the woman touched his gut? She laid hold on the Word. Jesus is the Word. So, anyway, He wants us to do things for Him with a heart of sincere love, not just performing out of a duty of, or of an obligation. You know, I mean, if you just came and did something for me because it was just your duty, you know what? I don't want you to do that. I, I had a young lady come to me one time. We were needing some nursery workers. And uh, they said, well, I don't really want to do this, but I'll go ahead since we need it so bad. I said, no, honey, you are not going to step your foot in that nursery. Because somebody with that kind of a heart about it is not going to be loyal. They're not going to love the people. So my, 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 my business model for a local church is usually very simple. I reach for people that want responsibility and I shun people that want authority. That makes it real simple there. Because it exposes their heart. Somebody's wanting a name. Remember the guy I told you gave me $120,000 if I'd put him on his board, on my board? I mean, here we are with 150, 200 people and he wants to be on my board. Go down the road 15 miles to Benny Hens. You know, he's got a couple of thousand people. But anyway, there's nine things I've written here now about uh, how do we know when spiritual growth has stopped in our life? And you can read these at home and really uh, research this. But when complacency begins to set in, it stops the process of the salvation of the soul. And that's the word soteria. We're not talking about being born again here. It stops the salvation. It stops the power of God working in your life. Uh, Hebrews 10.39 there, it says, But we are not of them who draw back unto perdition, but of them that believe to the saving of the soul. Number two, we begin to cease committing our ways unto the Lord and picking up old habits. 2 Peter 1.8, For if these things be in you and abound, they make you that you shall neither be barren nor unfruitful in the knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. But he that lacketh these things is blind and cannot see afar off and hath forgotten, notice that, that he was purged from his old sins. Wherefore the rather, brethren, give diligence to make your calling and election sure. For if these things be in you, you shall never fall. 
Number three, attitudes change. This is how, this is some of the uh, signs that you've stopped growing spiritually. Attitudes change. So any type of learning becomes impaired through fear, depression, being easily offended. Hebrews 12.1, which we've hit pretty hard here lately. Wherefore seeing uh, we are also compost, com, compost, com, she always laughs at me about a compassed, what is it? Compassed. Compassed. Com, compassed. I should go over there and read the Greek word about it. With so great a cloud of witnesses, let us lay aside every weight and the sin that does so easily beset us, and let us run with patience the race that is set before us. So, remember what we said? What was the sin that so easily besets all of us? What is that sin? Huh? Being offended. People offending you. That is the, that's what besets us. We are supposed to walk unoffendable. Don't get so aggravated with people. That's what it says. That, that besets us. That keeps us that sets us aside from our direction, from our walk, from our destination. It besets us. Now, I used to, years ago, before the Holy Ghost got in on it, I used to preach that a different way, that all of us had different sins that beset us. Whatever habits that we couldn't master, well, that, you know, uh, that's what I thought it was. But it has nothing to do with it. It's being in right fellowship with fellow brothers and sisters in the Lord. And not only that, but people in the world. Sinners. I mean, I... I'm just like you guys. I want to smack people sometimes, but I can't afford to. I don't want to go to jail. I don't want to get in jail with God. That's what it is. I don't want to. I want my prayers to be answered. See, strife will keep you. Strife will rob you of your finances. Write that down. Put it on your mirror because I'm telling you, that's usually the motivating factor for a lot of people is money. It will cause your finances to die. Number four, our ability to correct things is void of spiritual authority because distractions can cause us to stop applying the word to life situations, carrying the load through natural means only. Second Peter 1.4 Whereby are given unto us exceeding great and precious promises that by these you may be partakers of the divine nature having escaped the corruption that is in the world through Lust. Number five. We become full of excuses, blaming our faults on other problem on the problems of others, rather. And then it becomes easy to stop committing things that are you facing in prayer. It comes so easy. Well, you try to manage it by yourself. James one and uh, two uh, through seven. My brethren, count it all joy when you fall into diverse temptations. Now think about this. If you ever read the book of James, I want to go ahead and, and save you a lot of meditation and tell you what the main theme of the whole book of James is. It's keeping out of offense with finances. That's it in a nutshell. You read it with that in mind, it will blow your mind. But he says, my brethren, count it all joy when you fall into diverse temptations. At this point in time, all the Christians were being uh, slaughtered and their finances were being taken away from them and if you were Roman citizens and discovered a Christian, you could demand 10% of everything they owned. So that's when they come up with the big idea that, well, we'll just have all things in common. First, The first inkling of communism, and of course it didn't work. But in verse 3 here, it says, 
knowing this, that the trying of your faith works patience. But let patience have her perfect work. I asked the Lord one time why he put it in the feminine gender. He said, because it mothers something in you. <laughs> that you may be perfect and entire, wanting nothing. If any of you lack wisdom, let him ask of God that gives to all men liberally and upbraideth not. And it shall be given him. But let him ask in faith, nothing wavering, for he that wavereth is like a wave of the sea, driven with the wind and tossed. For let not that man think that he shall receive anything of the Lord. Number six, and we could go on and teach a lot of these things, on, but let's get through this. We are unable to maintain spiritual vision, vacillating in the daily Christian walk. One day in fellowship, the next day out again. Back and forth, back and forth. And that's just what the devil wants us to do. He wants us to keep us uh, in infancy stage in the kingdom of God. He, wants, he doesn't want us to grow. He doesn't want us to hear the word. He certainly doesn't want you doing the word. Verse uh, number seven, a slow process of breaking fellowship with the church, the body of Christ. It's extremely dangerous when there's no longer a desire to be a functioning member of the local church. Now, this is the thing that I've got so hard against the COVID thing. What that de demonic thing has done is stolen the fellowship from God's people in this nation. And it's a shame. But, you know, you can't. You can't just say, well, ignore, because people will lose their life. So, th so that's done that. So as soon as we can, we need to start integrating back in as soon as the safety things are done and all that so that we can fellow. We need one another. We need fellowship. It's, you know, the Bible says, forsake not the assembling of yourselves together as the manner of some is. But as we see that day approaching, let us more earnestly give heed. So you see, this is the day it's talking about. We see his day coming. And just, just, you know, as a reference here, I think the return of the Lord will be 2029. Not setting any dates or nothing. But I think that's when. I, I really do. I really think that that's when it's going to happen. But we've got a lot of work to do between then. I think you're going to see a worldwide move of God that this world has never seen. Greater than the days of the apostles. I believe that with every fiber of my being. I believe God's going to pour His Spirit on all flesh. And I believe that His sons and His daughters will prophesy. I believe you'll see everyday people like these kids and the rest of us are just going to be out on the streets. We're not even going to wait for them to come into the house. We're going to see the, the miracles and signs and wonders. It's coming. It's coming, let me tell you. Usually the power of God is demonstrated great when there's great persecution and affliction. Well, it's on its way. Don't get afraid. Don't be afraid. Don't stay away. Fellowship with one another. Number eight, if we become overly critical of those around us, it shows potential signs of authority problems. Continually seeing the mistakes of others. Number nine, we stopped putting a guard over our hearts, letting any thought stay ungoverned by the word and create in us the intentions of our heart. Proverbs 4.23, keep thy heart with all diligence, for out of it are the issues of life. And I've got in bold letters here. There are no boundaries over this thought process. It is extremely important that we stay in fellowship with God and, of course, each other. Each choice and decision we make today will impact our life tomorrow. Very important. So of all the message that I could have brought you today, on my very last message, uh, Wednesday night we're going to still continue our little thing on Romans. 
But that is, this is the one, and I'm so thankful that the Lord gave this to me. Uh, uh, this is the one that I could leave with you as a, as a postscript to my time here. Love God. Love people. Amen? I tell you what, I sure love you. You'll always be loved by Teru and I. Thank you. Thank you. We feel that. We feel, we feel that from you. Thank you so much. Uh, now, what we're going to do is, let me end this here.